right, gang. Well, welcome to the first ever Mike Caudill podcast, broadcasting here out of Nashville, Tennessee. And um, this is this is a little different. This is season one, episode one, although it feels like season eight, episode twenty-eight, uh, because I work in television and I've been working in radio and television for so many years that after many many conversations uh, with family and friends and someone who will be. Uh, announced here on the show, brought into the fray, if you will. Uh, bringing a p- podcast to market has been something that we've wanted to do for a long, long time. And so we thought 2024 would be a great year to do that. My name is Mike Caudill, and I'm going to be your host. We'll bring in that special guest a little bit further down the road, but wanted to kick it off with why now, why we're doing this podcast, and what's it going to be about? It's going to come in two parts. Uh, one is going to be a little bit about me. And, and why it's relevant. Uh, and the other is going to be driven by the news cycle. Uh, I've covered the automotive and transportation industry for nearly 25 years as a public relations professional, as an automotive journalist, uh, and as a, a television figurehead, being on shows from you know, Fox and Friends and Fox Sports to CNN, Headline News, and local stations all around the country that you know, you may have seen me in a suit and tie talking about some of the coolest cars hitting the market, some of the boats that are uh, you know, that you only dream about. And and now fast forward to 2024, you know, we're trying to bring that all together in one spot where we can, we can talk about the great things happening in all of these various transportation worlds, the travel that I do, some of the coolest restaurants that I go to, uh, and some things that are passionate to me. And that's, you know, covering sports. I love sports. I played football in college. So we're going to talk about all that kind of stuff. And this is just ground zero, if you will. This is the launching point. And, you know, we're going to have special guests on that we talked to over the course of this podcast. So we're calling this uh, season one, episode one. But but what we believe is that this is going to be something that's going to turn into something special. So we're going to be talking about things happening in the auto industry, right? Electric vehicles or hybrids. What's the, the state of the future? And that's a big reason that we're launching this show now is that there's so much discussion around electric vehicles. And I'm talking about them almost every single week. I just got back from New York right before the the holidays. And I was in New York on multiple Fox Business and Fox News shows talking about the state of the the auto industry as it relates to electric vehicles. And, you know, there's this perception that, oh, Mike's anti-electric vehicles. And to be honest, Mike's not anti-electric vehicles. I actually think they're all amazing cars. It's it's two different things. And we'll get into that further down the road, but I'll just tip my hat to it. it. One is just the infrastructure. I've talked about that since the beginning. And the second is the way that they're marketed. It, that, that There's stuff in, in both of those categories that, that lead to probably is thought that I don't like electric cars, but I absolutely love them. They're so much fun to drive. Hybrids, electrics, plug-ins, they're all really cool. And it's all about technology. So we're going to be talking about the major automotive news of the week. We're going to be talking about major big-time automotive topics, like I said a minute ago about electric vehicles. We're going to be talking about special events in the industry. I travel to all of them, whether it's the Fort Lauderdale International Boat Show, to the Consumer Electronics Show, to the Specialty Equipment Market Association Show, or the big auto shows. I'm out there on the road test driving vehicles every single week when I'm home here in Tennessee. And if I'm not here in Tennessee, I'm actually traveling the country, uh, going to various automotive events, test driving cars. For example, in February, I'll be in Montreal, Canada, test driving a Mitsubishi Outlander plug-in hybrid electric vehicle uh, in the snow. Two stories of that, right? Talking about safety driving in winter winter habitat, or at the same time, um, just talking about hybrid vehicles and electric vehicles and how they relate to, to cold weather driving. We're going to dabble in sports. Man, 
January is the, the month of football, right? We, we have the bowl games right at the beginning of the new year. Uh, and then, boom, we fast forward. We're already talking about the NFL playoffs, wild cards, and then, of, of course, the Super Bowl. So we're going to dabble in that as well. As I mentioned, we're going to have some awesome guests on. Some of them you're going to know very, very well, like our guests that we're going to have on uh, this first podcast. Others you're not going to know, but they have killer stories that we want to share. I meet so many cool people traveling this country, and every time I meet them, I write their name down, and I'm like, man, I just, I just I want to tell their story because there's something really cool about it. The second episode that we, we have uh, is someone like that, someone who has spent their time in the military, um, serving at some of the highest ranks, and you know, transitioned to city government. Really cool story. So I hope as all of you enjoy what we bring on this first show. We want you to sit back, relax, and just enjoy what we bring. And hopefully you like it. And if you don't, well, you know, there's other great podcasts out there. We don't uh, disparage against any other podcast, but we're going to have a lot of fun here. So without further ado, I want to bring in my partner in crime on this, and I want to introduce him to you all. Harrison Noble is someone that has been with the marketing company that I own, Driven360. Uh, He's been with us for about six years. I promise today, dude, I'm not going to talk about uh, the first interview that you were on, and then that was the subsequent second interview when I hired you. I'll wait on that. Um, but Harrison Noble has become my partner in crime in, in what I do in video and television. I have these great people that uh, that I'm surrounded by that allow me to do the, the television and the podcast and the video work that I do. Uh, so Harrison, I just want to bring you in for a second. Tell everybody hello and tell them a little bit about yourself because this dude right here, by the way, before he even says anything, one of the reasons that he is on is that he's he's a quiet giant. And what I mean by that is he's got a big beard, that beard. He walks in the room, everybody stops, and they're like, man, look at that guy. It's like you don't know whether he was a football player or a rugby player, but he's one of the funniest <laughs> dudes you will ever meet, Harrison Noble, everybody. Clap, Harrison Noble! Yeah, yeah. I know. I appreciate that introduction. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had the pleasure of working with Mike and the team for actually over five years now. Uh, came from a background of automotive journalism, so Mike and I kind of hit it off right away. Car guys, we, uh, you know, had that first interview. Car guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, tell me about the first car I showed up in at the interview. That's it, was, uh, it was, it was, I believe it was a PT Cruiser. Uh, it was a PT. <laughs> it was a PT Cruiser, yeah. and I think it had some missing hubcaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I borrowed that car from my in-laws because at the time when I was doing the magazine stuff, I had a project car that uh, actually, you know, quintessentially was my daily driver as well. So, <laughs> funny story on that. Took it to the drag strip broke the car <laughs> didn't have a backup car called my in-laws and said i need to borrow the family pt awesome. it was epic and so i borrowed that car yeah i borrowed that car for like a year and mike you don't know this but i'm gonna tell you now i only had the mustang back for about a week before you hired me yeah. and i just played it off like oh yeah yeah it's been running great no problems car runs like a champ yeah exactly exactly so, you play you played it all so well and and you know it, it, at some point we'll share after everybody gets to, to learn a little bit know a little bit more about harrison and i but we'll share that story of of when harrison got hired and i'm running in so many different directions but in the world of business there's there's this word you know, there's this word when you work for a company, it's, oh, that person is protection. That person's protected. Well, Harrison's one of those guys that uh, he's protected at, at Driven 360. He's an amazing human being. He's one of the funniest guys. I've ever had. <laughs> we'll, we'll share a story about 
about Harrison. I think Mike gives me too much credit, yeah. guys. But I, but I, but I digress. I think he gives me car too much guy, credit. <laughs> mono mono with a car guy. So we'll come back to Harrison in a minute, everybody. So kick back, relax, enjoy the show. Uh, a couple other things, you know. I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned this as well. Every show we're going to feature a, a car of the week. You know, we're test driving some cool cars. The number one question I always get asked by everyone when I'm when I'm out there doing television, it always happens. They start sending emails. I need help with a car. Right. And so my job is I'm always helping people with car. A lot of celebrities out there, especially those in news television, I've helped them get the cars that they're driving today. And, and that's a really cool thing. Right. When they come to me and they say, hey, Mike, we trust what you're doing. We trust the sales process. We trust it. You know what you're talking about when it comes to cars. So I've been in this awesome position to help people. And then we're going to have uh, every now and then we're going to have some fun giveaways, which is which is great. We have a lot of great people that are working with us out there. So before we jump into it, um, I want to make sure that if you're you're on this podcast, you've stumbled upon it on you know, whichever platform you are, please follow me on Instagram. It's pretty simple. It's, it's Mike Caudill, uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Um, I've spent so many years in television that I've never spent time on social media. And now we're spending time in social media, just trying to tell stories, tell more stories and tell more stories. And so, um, don't get all up in my grill. Oh, I can't follow that guy. He's only got X number of thousand followers. No, it, I mean, I just have never dedicated time to it, despite my incredibly youthful looks. It's not something that my generation has spent as much time on as, say, my son's generation. So um, so that's it, guys. Get ready for this. I mean, it's going to be a good time. So you guys ready for it? All right, let's rock. This is what we got going on. This is our first episode coming up on today's show, Massive Recall by Ford Motor Company. We're going to talk a little bit about what uh, January 1st meant as far as EV tax credits uh, mean to the industry for 2024. We are absolutely, without a doubt, going to talk football, football, and football. Uh, and then we've got a special interview coming up with uh, 13 years in the National Hot Rod Association, NHRA top fuel driver, uh, special friend of mine, Brandon Bernstein, king of beers, uh, racing under the, the Budweiser name. Uh, we're going to have our test drive of the week, and then we are going to uh, showcase one of the products that was sent into the show. Um, and from there, sent into the show, I mean somebody uh, sent this to me as a product review, and we're going to turn on that, and we're going to we're going to give that product back out to one of you, uh, and it's going to span around the Super Bowl. So I wanted to, this poc- this first part of the podcast is going to be pretty easy. A little bit about me. Um, most people don't know. A lot about my background until they see me on television and they stumble and all right this guy's a car guy he's been around so i've been in the auto industry for, for almost 25 years predating that i worked for a united states congressman over my shoulder congressman frank riggs first uh, congressional district state of california was a former police officer before becoming a united states congressman he just passed away december 20th 2023 and um not to get choked up but he's the guy that gave me my first shot you know you're you're a college junior and you want to want a fun job and a cool job and you don't want to go work at a restaurant or go work at sorry Tracy you don't want to go work at um a grocery store bagging all great jobs Frank gave me a shot he let me work in his congressional district office and um, that was my first real job that kind of catapulted me into the world of understanding what politics is all about and then from there you know politics also falls in line with being a, a public relations person you're always dealing with the public you know you got to Older gentleman that's you know an army veteran, military veteran. He can't get his he can't get his veterans money right. So so we have um, we have the VA, the Veterans Administration, and you know every month a soldier that is you know retired in the military they get their pension, they get a, a check, a veterans check. And 
they aren't getting their check or they're not getting the medical medical attention that they need. They would come into the district office, Eureka, California, and they would ask, you know, for help. And and I was the front line of defense, right? So I'd t- intake their paperwork and we get it all filed. And uh, most people don't know this, but when you need help, and this is a really, really important point to anybody that doesn't know about politics, is that when you need help with something, you can go to your congressional representative or your U.S. senator. So every state has congressional representatives, congressmen and women, and then they have state senators, right? You can go to their offices, district office, we call it the DO, and go to their district office. And if you have a problem, a complaint, they will intake that that information. And if it's something like the VA, you can go directly to the VA and get lost in paperwork. But if it comes from the congressional office, it then rises to the top. Cream will rise to the top. So let's say you're not getting your VA stuff or you've got you know, a medical issue or, or whatever it may be, you can take that, that complaint or that issue to your congressional representative. And by one phone call, I, can, I have direct access to the veteran, Veterans Administration, local California chapter. I say, look, I've got X person who needs support. And guess what? It automatically goes to the top because it's coming from the congressperson. So I spent a year working for Congressman Frank Riggs. That's where it all started for me. I ended up working at Ford Motor Company. I came down to Southern California after being up at Humboldt State University, working for Frank Riggs and then Sam Crump for State Assembly. I moved to Southern California. I go eight months without a job. I max out my credit cards to about $12,000. And I have no money, no dimes to scratch together. And the girl that I was dating at the time, her mom knew a person who knew a person who knew Greg Young. I meet this guy, Greg Young, and he says, man, you got some energy, kid. I think I might have a good contact for you at a PR company called Burson Marsteller, but you're going to have to go interview with Lincoln Mercury, which is a Ford Motor Company subsidiary. That was 1998, and that's where it all started. Greg Young got me an interview at Burson Marsteller. I walked in the door and met Rhonda Brower. I haven't talked to her in years. Two minutes into the conversation with Rhonda Brower is the same thing I told Harrison Noble when I hired him. Two minutes into the conversation, I said, I like you. I'm hiring you. I hire people based on their personality, not based on their qualifications. And that's how I got my first real job in automotive PR was at Bristol Marsteller, which was the first company under Rhonda Brower, came through Greg Young and put me in front of my first ever real mentor that really helped me become not only the PR and journalist professional that I am today, um, but in many ways, I was a young dude at the time, helped me kind of learn to become a better man. And that's Jim Trainer. Uh, who's recently retired out of the auto industry, closed out his amazing career at Hyundai as their head of uh, PR. Uh, But he was the head of communications at the time. So making a a long story even longer team, um, started my career doing all this amazing stuff in automotive PR. Um, (laughs) I got to share this because it's worth it. I know Harrison, you're itching to get on, but I got to share some of this stuff. Um, The very first week or two I was in the office, Jim and another good friend of mine named Octavio Navarro, they wrote down on a piece of paper, uh, you got it. You got to call this journalist. He's a, he's a well-known journalist with car and, car and driver. Um, and you got to call, you got to call this journalist. I'm writing it down right now. Cause you guys are going to laugh and anybody at home, I'm going to pause for three seconds. I'm going to say, pronounce that name. So I had to be able to pronounce this name and they didn't tell me how to pronounce it. They said, Hey Mike, call car and driver's office. You're going to get his assistant. Um, and I, I called his office and she didn't, she knew she was in on it. And I called the office and they wanted me to say who I'm looking for car driver. How may I help you? And I'm like, Hey, I'm pausing. Anybody, anybody, anybody pronounce it? So those in the industry know, I said, can I speak to Casaba Casera? Try and say that 
Cassaba, Cassara. I mean, there's no A, but that's the only thing that made sense, right? C-S-A-B-A, Cassaba, Cassara. So everyone laughed. Every, I could hear everybody in the cubes all laughing around me. And everyone's laughing at, at Lincoln's office. And Jim looks over the top and he's like, you're pronouncing his name wrong. And it turns out his name was his name is Chubba Chetta, uh, still to this day a really good friend of mine. And I was responsible for making sure that the editor-in-chief of Car and Driver magazine, Chubba Chetta, at that time magazines were still the holy grail. I was responsible for helping Chubba Chetta. Uh, with the test drive of a Lincoln LS. And that meant that I had to drive to Sergio Alvarez, Lincoln Mercury in the middle of uh, the Inland Empire in California. I was living in California at the time. And I had to pick up this Lincoln LS. It was delivered to this dealer. I had to give it to Chubachetta, and I only had a couple days to do it. Anyway, it all worked out great. But what a great experience right at the beginning, you know, Chubachetta. And that catapulted me into the career, right? Ford Motor Company, Lincoln Mercury. I left that job a few years in. I went to Mazda. I spent time working with another iconic PR professional, Jay Amistoy, Heather Croak, Sherry Gold. Um, and those were amazing times in the auto industry. I remember at Lincoln Mercury, Octavio and I, we came up together. We're about the same age. And he took me to a Fourth of July, or a Cinco de Mayo party in Santa Ana. And it was amazing. Like I, It was the first time I'd had like a real Mexican cultured Cinco de Mayo. The food, all of it was amazing. The music, it was just so awesome. He embraced me like a brother. So that all is what found, gave me the foundation for, for where I'm at today, going through Mazda and then after Mazda. Uh, and Mazda was through an agency, Hill and Knowlton. So that's where I met guys like Todd Brooks. Um, and that's all the team over to, uh, at a different competitive PR agency now. Uh, and, and that's where it all started. Um, all those years in the auto industry, just chasing cars, right? Chasing horsepower and spending so much time uh, on the road covering the auto industry, going to auto shows. But I was on the other end. I wasn't a journalist. I was meeting all these journalists and I was getting to know them, getting to know, you know, all these names out there that I've seen for years and it. It was just amazing to be such a young guy on the road doing all of this. And that transcended into, in my mind, in my mid-20s, going, you know what? I can start my own job. I can start my own agency. Well, back up a little bit. I went to work for a small boutique firm. And this small boutique firm, um, I was there for about a year. It was it was a fun experience. Um, and, and at that point, I towards the end, I just realized that I wanted to do it on my own. And I, I decided to start. Driven Media Communications, which was an automotive-focused public relations and marketing agency. So I did that, and you know, one of my first clients was the Orange County Auto Show. And the, re- the relevance of the Orange County Auto Show with Driven Media Communications changed my life forever. And it's, a, it's the reason that I'm in front of you today doing this podcast. It's the reason that Driven has been successful. And it's the reason that I, I feel lucky to be in a position to talk about cars the way that I do. And, and what that all spans around is the fact that I had the Orange County Auto Show. I got Gail Anderson from KTLA to come down and cover the show. And on the very first, very first time Gail Anderson was down there at the show, she, and she is hard. I, will te- I would tell her if she was on this podcast, we got to get Gail on this podcast. Um, I, I, Gail was hard. She was not nice to me. She was like, you are a rookie and I will kick your ass. I got this guy to come down and be on the show. Um, I was a PR guy. I wasn't the TV guy. This guy came down. She hated him. She's like, I'm leaving. You have to go on TV. It's 530 in the morning. I called John Sackerson. I'm like, hey, man, you got to come. You got to come be on this show. If you go to my YouTube page right now and you go and look at the very first time, it says first time on television. I think I use the word absolutely um, like 30, 34 times in three minutes. It was priceless. Like Gail, but Gail loved it. And um, the producer, Rich Goldner, who's now in San Diego, uh, was the person that came in my ear 
and he made a reference to the fact that, hey, do you like being on television? And I was just so excited. Ah, we're in an extra large suit. And I was like, yeah, I love being on television. And Rich Goldner was like, all right, well, if you like being on television, promise me that you'll you'll never use the word absolutely again on our air because you just used it like 35 times in a few minutes. And I was like, absolutely. And he's like, great. I'll see you at the LA Auto Show. And I'm like, wait, what? So Gail took me to the LA Auto Show. I came to KTLA Car King for a few years. Um, and I covered the auto show circuit with Gail in Southern California. It was amazing. And that's how I ended up doing television. And it wasn't until Dale Earnhardt Sr. Uh, crashed in Daytona that my internship, which I forgot to mention at CNN, uh, my senior year of college, I went back and worked at CNN in 1996 during the Olympics. Um, I met a young TV guy named Bill, Bill Hammer, which is another person to get on the show. Um, Bill Hammer was a rookie at CNN. He'd come out of Cincinnati, Ohio as a television broadcaster. And I met him there and fast forward all those years later, he's like, I remember you being a car guy. And he reached out and was like, Hey, can you talk about the Hans device? Uh, as it relates to NASCAR and racing, because Dale Earnhardt had just died on a Sunday. He woke me up in the middle of the night. It was the first time I was ever on Skype uh, doing a segment on uh, Fox News, and it was on America's Newsroom with him and Megan Kelly. And that's what got me into Fox, which is fast forward all these years later, it leads me to where I'm at today. So there's a lot, a lot in my background that is, is around cars. I love everything that I do. Um, and, you know, what we're going to be doing with this, we're going to be talking about cars and motorcycles and what I do as a journalist, a little bit of PR professionalism. There's a lot of stuff that I can help people understand in regards to perception management and communication, sports junkie, and, and more. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about where I've been, where I'm going. Just was up in Gatlinburg for the new year. Uh, and then I actually head out. And when I head out, it's ugly. Um, I'm heading out here in January. I am going to be gone almost the entire month of January. Uh, I am going to be out at CES at the Consumer Electronics Show. I am going to be in Tampa at the Tampa RV Show. Uh, I am going to be in Orlando. I am going to be in California for some off-road test driving. It's going to be a lot of fun. I invite you all to sit back and listen. This, this is going to be a great show. I know you're all going to have a great time. Uh, so this is where we are going to bring my, my partner in crime in. Harrison's going to be joining me on and off uh, with, the, with the podcast. Let's do it, brother. Let's, let's start to dig in and um, talk about some of this stuff. And I, I promised I would wait until... The, uh, I'm, I'm going to do it. I don't Can I do it? Am I allowed to do it or am I not allowed to do it too early? Okay. All right. We're going to kick it over okay. to Harrison in a minute as we get into some of the news that we're going to talk about for the week. Um, cause there's some big time news and, uh, speaking of Ford and Mustang, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the reason that Harrison means a lot to, to the company, but more importantly means a lot to me is that he's one of the most authentic humans that you ever meet. We, uh, we had interviewed at Starbucks and, you know, this kid came in, he was super happy, super nervous. You know, he'd worked at, at, at Power Auto Media, which is this great conglomerate of, of digital creators. And, you know, he'd been covering the auto industry. One thing you'll learn about really fast about Harrison is that he's a big time car guy, just like me. Um, and, and I interviewed him and I came, went back to the office. I'm like, I like this kid. His his PR background isn't isn't really what we, we needed at the time because he, he's not a trained PR guy. But... He had this amazing presence, lovable. Um, and, and so I brought him back for a second interview. It had to be within a day or two, right? Like it was a Wednesday interview, Friday, bring you back. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I interviewed with you first on Wednesday, and then we brought Rob into the mix, and we can chat more about, you know, and introduce Rob when he gets on the podcast. But for those who, of you who are listening, Rob's basically our COO. Um, super in, you know, 
veteran, did 20 plus years in the Marine Corps. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better supervisor than Rob. But uh, yeah, yeah, I interviewed with you. Um, and, and the funny thing is, is uh, I showed up at Starbucks. I saw who I thought was Mike sitting down, kind of just surveying Starbucks, looking for me. And I'm looking for him. And I'm like, I think that's him, but I'm not sure. I walked past him. I walked back. I think I ended up texting you. And I think you ended up walking up to me, <laughs> introducing yourself and saying, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> staring at you in the corner. I'm like, hey, I'm just going to stare at this guy in the corner. Yeah, see yeah. if no, he, he comes he, over. Mike was definitely feeling me out. That's for sure. Yeah, hey, man, he you know what? When you have a dad that's a police officer, you know, there's there's a couple things that you, you learn as a dad who is not just a police 100%. officer, but a detective and a lieutenant and served in the, the military, was a Navy corpsman. You know, you're always facing the door. And you're always sizing people up. It's like we talk about reading the room constantly. Reading the room. You've always got to be able to assess your surroundings. So I bring Harrison in. We're going to get into the news because we're we're running a bit out of time. So I bring Harrison in. Next interview, Starbucks, neutral location always. Hire and fire at Starbucks. It's the best location because nobody can... Nobody can get crazy except for one person over the years that that had to be let go at a Starbucks. If I I get an invite... Anytime soon. Want to go to Starbucks? Starbucks? I'm I'm gonna be a little concerned, and I might pay with a gift card that's expired. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. So we're sitting there, and I think I just jumped right into. I'm like, look, man, I like you. There's gonna be a learning curve. We're gonna have to figure out some some stuff for you to do, but I'm hiring you. And the dude just breaks out crying, just <laughs> tears up. His eyes well up in it was all tears of happiness. It was like, man, and and I'll never forget it when you said, and it just, it tells everybody why you're such an amazing person. He says, why me? And I like, I'm like, I literally, listen to yourself, man. I got to tell you all the time, man, you are so, you're fun to be around. You're witty. So anyway, that's Harrison Noble, everybody. Fat, awesome car guy. And he is going to be on with me um, in every episode. We're going to let him have his own rip session. And uh, I hope if you're following me on social, you take a few minutes to follow Harrison on social as well. Let's get into the news of the week. Um, Dude, I don't know what's going on in the auto industry right now, but January 1 hit, and there's a lot of news hitting in the industry right now. Um, Ford quietly comes out between Christmas and New Year's, and I'm calling it all under the guise of the new year because it kind of all happened at that time. So Ford Motor Company comes out, Harrison and they recall 112,000 Ford F150s between 2000 and 2021. Do you know that do you know the scoop on why? Yeah, I mean from what I was reading it was like they were at an increased risk of a crash and you know as an automaker that's not really something that you want, you know, people to associate your vehicles with. You you've got to be able to put a stop to that right away. It's a bolt on the rear axle and this act, if it, if it shears off, which I think it's, I'm going to assume it has something to do with a curb or it shears off, it doesn't allow you to stop. So NHTSA came in, uh, National Transportation Safety uh, Administration came in and we're like, hey, we got to shut this down immediately. So they're recalling 112,000. Uh, that includes my F-150, uh, to the best of my knowledge, and everyone else, 112,000 F-150s. At the same time they make that announcement, they make the announcement that the Ford F-150 is again... The reigning champion is America's best-selling truck and America's best-selling car. What is your what's your take? Well, what are we going on now? It's got to be 
at least 47 years now, right? Eight. Like the F-150. 48. 48. Yeah, yep. yeah, 48 years. You're talking about half of a century that a single platform of a truck has been the best-selling vehicle. Um, I can't even think of another auto manufacturer that's even come close to that, let alone half of that. Yeah, I'll share something that's really interesting, and most people don't know this, um, and those that listening will be like, ah, ah, it makes sense. Why you guys got to follow, hit the subscribe button below. Go to my Instagram and follow it. Do you know why the Ford F-150 continues to be America's best-selling truck? Yeah, I think out of, don't I mean, cheat. this might be opinionated, but I think out of all the trucks, it's it's been proven to be like one of the most reliable truck platforms on the market. I'm going to give you the real answer. Hmm. We can talk about reliability. We can talk about cool factor. We can talk about 48 years, 50 years in the market. It's not that. Ford Motor Company has one of the largest municipal contracts and government contracts in the world. So when you drive into your hometown, whether it's Temecula, California, or Nashville, Tennessee, if you go into a state facility, those work trucks are all Ford F-150s. And Facts. Ford usually says F-Series truck. So now you can add on top of F when they say F-Series is the best-selling truck. Did you know that in the RV industry, the number one platform for Class A and Class C RVs is Ford Motor Company with its V10 chassis? I didn't, but you know what? That makes sense because think about how many service vehicles rely on that chassis. You know, you've got ambulances, you've got box trucks, you've got work trucks. I mean, just the amount of people and, you know, the municipality that, you know, rely on these vehicles, it's, it doesn't surprise me. And, and, and you know what, again, I'm not discrediting or taking anything away from Ford Motor Company, like kudos to them, right? They got the F-150 back in there again. There's so many other cars that are that are hitting the road right now. Speaking of a car company that uh, has has been the top dog and just got knocked off as the top dog, uh, the number one electric selling car company in the world is no longer Tesla. Tesla just got. They said, "Hey, oh, sorry, we're you're not it anymore." Did you hear about that news? Yeah, yeah, I heard about that, and it's kind of funny because uh, last week when you and I were talking about hybrids, you know who the second largest EV manufacturer is? It's Ford. So if Tesla's coming down, Ford might be able to take that number one spot for the first time. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, they might. The company is a company called BYD. It's a Chinese company, and we, in fact, I think on this show we've got a little bit we're going to talk about relation in regards to you know, electric vehicles, because there's just a lot. It's the, it's, the hot, it's the hot topic right now. But BYD, yeah, they are the number one producer of electric vehicles, uh, taking over Tesla. If you look at sales in the U.S., uh, sales of EVs, total sales volume, I think it was at, what, 9% to close out the, the year, year over year as an industry as a whole. Uh, I think EVs inside of that were at 7%, but overall, EV sales are up 95%, I think. But that's because there's more accessibility and there's more more vehicles coming to market. But still, if you if you put it up against gas vehicles, it's not growing, you know, as fast as automakers, you know, want them to go, right? They're, they're just not growing that fast. There's so many stories on that right now. Yeah, yeah, there's a ton. I mean, it's funny you seeing these uh, manufacturers pull back the reins. I mean, it's not just Ford, you know, you're looking at Chevrolet too. Chevy, uh, although it's funny you bring that up. So Chevrolet made big news over the holidays. And I, you know what, bravo to General Motors. 
what's really, really interesting about General Motors is that on January 1, the EV tax credits, which I promise everyone, this is not a political statement. I don't want this to be misconstrued as politics, but it's just really interesting to me. So the current administration, the Biden White House, when he took office, uh, day, week one, said that I'm going to make all of the federal vehicles electric, right? And he's been the number one proponent and, and pusher of electric vehicles. And that's great, right? right? The government's right. in, the government wants to push electric vehicles. But what's really, really interesting about it is that the EV tax credits, he wants people to buy electric vehicles, but at the same time, then he comes in on top of it and says, oh, but hold on, all of those electric components have to be made in America. So while all these automakers have been just working as fast as they can to get electric, most people, this is the crazy part, right? Most people don't even understand what product planning is. They think if they buy a Ford, they're getting just a Ford, or they buy a Tesla, they're just getting right. a Tesla. None of that's freaking true. Man, right. there were a hundred different suppliers on a vehicle. So you get one little widget, and if you add up enough of those little widgets, if it equals more than a certain amount, then that disqualifies the vehicle from being a vehicle that will qualify for a federal tax rebate of up to $7,500. So the administration should have come in and stabilized that and still provided tax credits for these consumers that want to buy electric vehicles, and, and now they can't. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like a double-edged sword. It's like if you know that certain amount of uh, you know components weren't made in the U.S., I mean, you don't qualify for the tax credit. I don't think that's necessarily fair, and I don't think that gets enough publicity either because you might go into a situation where – you're looking for a certain payment or a certain MSRP, expecting to get that tax credit, and at the end of the day, you don't get it, and that completely ruins your budget. And as we know, budget makes a lot of the conscious decisions for carbon. And it and it and it does right now. And it goes back to what you said a minute ago, Harrison. You mentioned General Motors, right, and Ford stepping up their game in the EV market. So, if you look at vehicles that still qualify for the federal tax rebate, you're going to look at the Chevy Bolt. You're going to look at the Ford F-150 Lightning, a couple of Teslas, maybe one plug-in hybrid or whatnot. But outside of that, that number then dwindles really, really fast. So what did General Motors do? And I thought, I was like, bravo to General Motors, right? So many automakers are just like, oh, we're going to jump in. And, and General Motors has jumped in, but they put their money where their mouth is. And I think this is remarkable. I need to read up a little bit more on the details, but the headline basically said that General Motors has come out and for EVs uh, that do not qualify for a federal tax rebate, they are mm. going to apply their own federal tax rebate of up to $7,500. Wow. So, I mean, you want to talk about a cool proposition. I'm going to go buy a General Motors product if I'm going to actually get money back from the automaker, Harrison. Yeah, that's incentivization that, you know, is not going to be matched by another automaker. Because if you're Ford and you're Tesla and you're looking at GM's almost giving 10 grand off of an EV that you don't have to sign up for it. This isn't a, you know, a credit score impact. This is a, we're just giving you it right off the bat. That's a big incentive to want to go with that company. It's a, it's a massive incentive uh, to, to go with that company. And, and we're going to dig in just a little bit more before we go to break. But what's really interesting about the, the market right now is that there are more than 30 electric vehicles available out there on the market, right? There's a lot of choice. Why is Tesla stock coming down? It's coming down because there's a lot of choice for people in the market, right? If you want to buy an electric vehicle, man, you can get a Kia EV6. You can get a Hyundai Ioniq 5. You can get a Ford Lightning. You can get a Rivian. There's so many really cool options if you want to go electric. Right, right. Um, it, it just now turns into a situation of what's that average medium price going to be? Well, it's still sitting at about $57,000 as the average price. Now, let me pump everybody at home because I've heard every news station, CNN and Fox say this, and that is, oh, the average medium price of an electric vehicle is $57,000. Well, guess what? That's actually not true. 
If you take the Porsche Taycan, right, and you take some of the higher-end EVs that are up over six figures, and then you you take those, which are a very small minority, and then you take all those are in the 20s and 30s, that takes that average cost up to that 57000 I would say that the transaction price is significantly lower. I bet you the average transaction price is probably in the low 40s, maybe for an electric vehicle, which is still stiff. You still have to be able to afford it. Right. But I mean, there's great diversity and opportunity for people to buy electric vehicles if they want them. Yeah. And you know, that's one thing I want to touch on too with you is what, what if you're not ready for the EV, but you still want some of the EV electrification, you still want some of those, you know, kind of high end properties, stuff like that. There's hybrids and there's a lot going on with hybrids. You buy a Mustang? No, I'm kidding. Uh, for Mustang uh, Mach-E, right? Mach-E. So going back to you what you said a, a minute ago. Yeah. The number one and number two slot in the U.S. for EV sales, Tesla and Tesla. Number three is the Ford Mustang Mach-E. That falls in number three. Right. Uh, so they're picking up. They're picking up traction for it. And, and you're right. You know, in the month of November, 2023, year over year, uh, hybrid sales were up 75. percent And you're seeing automakers, as you mentioned a minute ago, start to pull back a little bit on what they are going to do with their EV sales. And even Jim Farley, when I was out at Monterey for Car Week, you know, Mm -hmm. Jim Farley, he was the very first one to say like, hey, you know what? I might've made a mistake. In fact, I I got a little clip of it. Let's roll tape. There's a big transition and we're going into the mainstream customers now in the second inning. It's not the early adopters anymore on the coast. We're getting into the meat, heart and soul of people saying, I'm interested in EV, but I'm skeptical. And so it's a human problem actually for the industry. It's not range anxiety for them, it's charging anxiety. Heard him right there, he's talking about his experience with the, the Lightning, right? He picked it up in LA, he drove it to Las Vegas for their, their annual board meeting, and here he is stuck in the middle of nowhere trying to figure out how to charge his vehicle. It always goes back to that infrastructure. Uh, and that inf- we're gonna, you know what, in fact, we're, we'll get Octavio Navarro on from uh, Electrify America. He can provide a little bit more color on what's happening and what the future for 2024 holds. Uh, with the electric vehicle. Unfortunately for now, we are running a bit short on time. So we'll we'll come back, obviously, to some of this electric vehicle stuff. Harrison, I know you're not a football guy, but we got to transition a little bit. We got to transition a little bit to football and we're going to keep it short. I just, you know, for this first podcast, I wanted to make sure I have my Tennessee Titans hat on. Although we weren't able to make it to the playoffs, we did meet the beat the Miami Dolphins this year. It felt really, really good. It was a Monday night football game. Will Levis looked amazing. He's showing a lot of promise as quarterback. Uh, we got to play spoiler to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was, uh, thank, uh, it was awesome. Bummed out to see the Indianapolis Colts out of it. If I had to put my pick on it right now, Harrison, I'm going to give you one football team. You just have to make a pick. Let's just see if they're in the playoffs. Football team of my choice? Just pick a team. Let's see if they're in the playoffs. So I've always, you know, I'm from San Diego. They're not in the playoffs. They're oh. not in the playoffs. Okay. All right. Well, I tried. <laughs> so right now, we've got the Dallas Cowboys going up against the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to annihilate them on national television. It's going to be going to be an ugly, ugly one. you got the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, game one, Kansas City Chiefs, Miami Dolphins. Holy crap. Now, a little bit of controversy around that. It's going to be broadcast only on Peacock. Are you freaking kidding me? So Peacock apparently paid, I guess, for the rights, $110 million to air it exclusively on Peacock, which means everyone that watches this podcast and you all sitting at home, you all have to go subscribe to watch the game. I didn't yeah. say it. I just got close to saying it, but it's ridiculous, man. It's only five bucks for Peacock, too. I know. A uh, couple quick football shout outs, uh, although it's old news. You know what? Congrats to the team in Georgia for taking down Florida State after they cried. I have a whole synopsis I wrote up on that on Facebook. Um, if you want to read it, it's Mike Caudill about FSU and the 
bullshit shenanigans of, oh, you're not going to opt out. 23 players opt out and they get their butts wiped on national television, 63 to three. It's like, come on, man, that's a joke. But a lot of great football coming up. We don't know who's going to be in the uh, Super Bowl yet. We got all the playoffs coming up. Stay tuned until the end because at the end we are going to do uh, a giveaway at the end of the month and it's going to apply directly to the Super Bowl. We'll be back in a minute. Hey guys, you all know that I'm super passionate about cars and everything in the auto, RV, truck, motorcycle industries. It doesn't matter. Anything that has an engine, you know how much I love it. And I'm just as passionate about all of those types of fun toys as I am about keeping them running. And that's why I choose only to work with Lucas Oil. And for me, it doesn't really matter what product I use. I always know that their product is going to work. So whether it's to keep my machines looking clean with their slick mist or something like their anti-squawk or shutter uh, lubricant, I know that Lucas Oil is always going to deliver. But what is my number one go-to? Well, those that follow Mike Caudill, especially on my social channels, know that one of my number one passions is off-roading, and that takes you to my 1975 Ford Bronco, which is a young 49 years old. Well, their high-mileage fuel treatment is the only thing I put inside my engine. Why? Because I know that it's going to keep my engine running to the very best ability that it can. Lucas Oil been around for 35 years, one of America's best American-based stories. If you guys want to find out more about Lucas Oil, go to their website, lucasoil.com. So that was quite a quite a cool little ad, you know, podcast uh, one, season one, episode one, the team at Lucas Oil joining us uh, as, as a little bit of a helpful sponsor. Yeah. Do you use Lucas Oil? Yeah, I've been using them for a while. I mean, I go back to all the way before I even had the Mustang. I had, I think you might actually know this too. I, I used to have an SVT Focus. Talk about a throwback. And I had always- Can you bring a picture out. next show? Do you have a picture of it anywhere? I probably have one on my phone, yeah. Because I'm going to show you my, my first real ride. My first real one is going to be this picture right here. You see yeah, that? Yeah, the Beamer, the Beamer. Yeah, that was my first real professional car. I, I definitely was using Lucas back then too, because you know the car had high miles, and you know I was I was uh, constantly riding around in it and stuff, and so I was you know hooligan and hooligan and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah, we started using them back in the day, and actually came from a recommendation from a friend. And this is, gosh, Mike, this has got to be at least two thousand nine, two thousand eight, sometime around there. And I had already known about Lucas for quite a while because remember back in the day when Fontana had a drag strip. Lucas used to have banners all on the background of the quarter mile drive. They got banners everywhere in the country. So speaking of Lucas Oil, this is a perfect transition into a special guest who happens to now in his second career uh, work for Lucas Oil. But Brandon Bernstein, who's a really good friend of mine, NHRA drag racer, 13 years, king of beers. His dad is, I mean, I I would say he's probably the most well-known racer of all time, Kenny Bernstein. I mean, I followed his dad, top of the food chain when it comes to drag racing. John Forrest, Kenny Bernstein, Ron Caps, Tony Pedrigan, and Brandon followed in his dad's footsteps. So, uh, Harrison, unfortunately, I got to say goodbye to you as we uh, pull Brandon in and um, talk a little bit about what's happening in the world of NHRA. All good. Brandon's got better stories than I do, so I'm happy to to slide out. (laughs) All right, so a special guest, uh, and I'm going to call him our inaugural guinea pig, right? Season one, episode (laughs) one. Uh, you don't just shoot for bottom of the basement. You go for the top dog right out of the box. And so uh, joining us on the Mike Caudill podcast is uh, not only a, a good friend, but someone when I was, because we're, we're about the same age, despite my incredibly youthful looks, 
Yeah, it, exactly. Is uh, Brandon Bernstein? Um, I, I will call him an NHRA legend. Appreciate that. Yeah, man. It's not always about what you do in the racing world. It's about what you do after. And I think that's probably what I respect most about you. But again, Brandon Bernstein joining us. Thanks for joining today, Brandon. How you doing, brother? Hey, thanks, brother. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, enjoy uh, coming on. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's, it is. We're going to have you on quite a bit. I think you represent a slice of motorsports, especially in your, you know, your your Lucas Oil career. You know, you're in the trenches, you know, the up and coming drivers and whatnot. But for all those that, that are that are joining, you know, you and I, we, you know, I played college football, then I went into my career. And I remember and I just it, it's fun to share this because I remember running around the paddock at NHRA when I was in my 20s. And, you know, we've talked about Eric Medlin, which Lucas Oil does a great job supporting Lucas Oil, you know, Eric Medlin Foundation. But I remember seeing you on the other side of the line be like, dude, to my buddy Matt Scroggs, be like, dude, that's Brandon Bernstein, and there's his dad, Kenny Bernstein. And then you go over yeah. to John Force pit, and you're like, whoa, that's John Force. But everybody was super personable, and, and now we're, we're good friends, and – you know, tell, tell me about your career, man. Tell me about what it means. And, and you know, I'm going to ask yeah. the question about going 300 plus miles an hour, but just I start know. with, I know. start, start with it. Give, give everyone the story. So I'll start at the beginning. I, I drove nothing as a kid growing up, like nothing. I was, uh, my, my mom and, and father were divorced at a young age. <clears throat> my mom raised me in Texas. I played soccer all my life, club ball, high school ball. I played two years Explains at Texas a lot A&M. about you. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it played, played two years at Texas A&M. And then I got my degree and I told my dad, I said, hey, man, I, I want to go racing one day. And he said, all right, you're going to start at the bottom. And so I took my degree. And went racing, and uh, and he he's honestly like I I could not touch a car part. I only cleaned for the first six months. I cleaned the inside of the trailer, the outside of the trailer, the car. It, the only thing I could touch was the outside of the car to clean it. That was it, the dragster, and that was it. So for six months, I all I did was clean. And then it, it, you know after six months, he gave me a little bit more. Um, you know on the team, I, I could do like the bottom end. Then I did, you know, the fuel, then I did, you know, certain things. So I was a crew guy on his team for probably, I think I did that for eight years. And so then he finally came to me and he said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get you a, uh, a super comp license. We're going to take you to super comp Frank Holly super comp uh, school. And I got my super comp license, had a blast doing that on a weekend did that, um, got that super comp license. Then I went back to the team and, and was working on the team still, I did one more year, and then on the, that uh, that year, two thousand, I think that was that was two thousand one was was that year. And then he said, "We're going to put you in an alcohol dragster um, the next year." And so then I did that for one year, went to nine finals, won Rookie of the Year, won the Division Seven Championship, and it was just a natural feel for me. I mean, I did thousands and thousands of runs in my head you know, watching my dad and everything. And so it was just an easy progression. I mean, and then the next year I went back on the team in 2002 and did uh, his final tour. And then in 03 was my first year in top fuel. And then the rest is kind of history because 03 was like an amazing year. I mean, we were leading the points. Um, I'd won five out of the first like uh, eight races. I mean, it was just a, a storybook, you know, rookie year coming in. And then I had my crash and everybody knows about that. So it was just, uh, it was the end of that season, but, um, but man, it's, uh, that was kind of the progression of, of me driving. And then I drove for over 14 years. Um, you know, 13, I think 13 years is what I, what was the total that I drove. Yeah. It's always interesting to me 
you know, I, and I was closer to Eric because one of my best friends and my college roommates, his dad grew up in Oakdale, California, which is, you know, that's, that's where John Medlin, Eric's dad, and, and they yep. own, they owned, they own this restaurant there, uh, house of beef. Nice. And it was this, it was like brisket and like a bar, like a barbecue place. Right. Yeah. And whenever I go to Oakdale with my buddy, Matt, you know, we'd go in there and we'd, we'd see John's brother, yep. uh, Eric's dad. And then when we go to the races, Eric was always washing the windows of John Forrest's car. And I <laughs> yeah. remember, was it Ron Caps? I think it was Ron Caps. Was no, 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 no. It was uh, Tony Pedregan. Yeah. So yeah, it was Tony. John Forrest and Tony yep. were, were there at that time, and he did the same thing. And before I ask you about the speed, because that's what everybody wants to ask yeah. uh, ask you about, I'm going to flip it, and I'll never forget. I was in Corona on the on the 15 freeway on the interchange between the 15 freeway and the 91 getting ready to head home towards Temecula when Dennis Scroggins, who was John Medlin's friend in Oakdale called and he said, did you hear the news? And I said, no. And he said, Eric died. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean? And you know, he was down in in Florida testing. And, and so your crash, you know, you're having such a highlight. It, It was such a remarkable season when you crashed. Did that change your approach to how you race? Not really. Honestly, um, you know, I was learning so much so quickly because that was my rookie year. And and my dad was teaching me so much so fast that I really just, you know, was trying to do everything right, you know, right out the gate. And I mean, you think about it. I mean, we had Budweiser. We had the biggest sponsor, biggest name out there. I mean, so there was a ton of pressure on me to perform and to, to win right out the gate. So I put, and I put that on myself, no, no less, you know, so, um, so really I was trying to do everything right all the time. And it was a rookie mistake in my crash. Honestly, I came off and on the throttle way too many times, got it out of control. And if I just squeezed the throttle and just eased into it when the car got out of control, um, then I think I would have, you know, never had the crash, but I did. And it was a rookie mistake and, and I owned up to it. And I learned so much after that because I was out of the car the whole year. I mean, I had a broken T3 fracture separation, um, major, major pain, like the most excruciating pain you can ever imagine because the T3 is up high. And so, you know, I had to wear this, you know, turtle shell from here to here uh, for nine months. You know, I was out uh, four months with that turtle shell, 24, seven, four months. I mean, just in, in just so much pain anyway. But I think that, you know, being there and being stuck in that situation, I was like in my head going through, okay, now I know what that feels like. Now I know when I get back in this car, how to, how to react, how to do the things the right way. And it made me a better driver. Like it really did. I mean, I, and I was very fortunate, good Lord above good doctors to not have to, you know, have surgery, let it heal naturally be not paralyzed because the fracture was literally on the spinal cord. We got back to California it just didn't sever anything. It didn't, it just indented on the spinal cord. It just didn't sever anything. So very fortunate on all that, but it just, it made me a better driver. And like, I, I knew after that, you know, and I didn't change anything about how I drove. I really didn't. I just, I was more, I was the same aggressive driver. I was the same, you know, way. I just, I just knew then how to do, you know, pedaling the car, you know, the right way. Right. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask this and then we're going to, we're going to move on to a couple other things I wanted to wrap with you about. All right. So 300 miles an hour, right? Like, so I went to Starbucks this morning Yeah. and I think my top speed driving through the neighborhood was like 28 miles an hour. And if, and I, and this, and the speed <laughs> limit was 20. So I was like eight above the, the speed limit. And I felt, I felt like a baller going through the neighborhood. I'm like, cause I was getting excited, right? I'm going to talk to you today. 
So is is before you get to the 300, when you make progressions in drag racing, it's like you got to hit one speed, then you got to hit this next speed, then you got to hit this next speed, and each one's a milestone. You know, walk walk us through the progression of of those milestones for you. So a lot of times, and when you're first getting into the car and everything, you'll go to like 60 feet, 100 feet, maybe even half track, and you get that feeling of how fast and how quick you know everything is happening because that's what you're really getting your body and your brain your brain used to is the quickness and and the speed of these cars and, and how fast things happen in the car. So like to people on the outside, this you know three and a half seconds in a in a in a thousand feet is really fast, but once you get used to that quickness and speed, it's just like anything, any other sport, it's just like a baseball. It's like everything slows down. So you get this whole like inside the race car, you get when your helmet's on and everything, everything just slows down. So that's three and a half seconds seems like 10 seconds to us because you're doing things in milliseconds. You know, you're, you're reaching over and grabbing the brake. You're reaching over and, and hitting the parachute button in, in milliseconds and everything just slows down in your brain. So, you know, what's going on. Like you're moving the car in, in, in milliseconds. You're, you're feeling what in your ass, what happens, you know, when it, when it lifts up and it loses traction and, and comes down and you, you lift immediately or you, or you have to pedal it. Everything happens so quick, but yet it slows down. So it, it and it's amazing that, you know, when you, when I start talking, I get goosebumps just talking about it because it was so much fun. And so like when you're in that car and you're going that quick and fast and everything, but as you progress down the thousand feet, it gets quicker and faster. And, and man, when you're going through the, the finish line, going 330 plus and the wind light comes on and you just won the event, it's the greatest rush ever, man. It is so cool. You know, I always wonder why, and, and John Force is, you know, he's always been the, the guy, right? And, sure. And, yeah. you know, when it comes to funny car, it's him. When it comes to top fuel, it's your pop. You yep. know, you, you go to motorcycles, it's and it'll always be Antron, right? Yep. right? There's some exactly. others that fall into that. You know, Ron Caps, you know, is up in there as well. Sure. You can throw both Pedregan brothers into that mix. And, you know, I, I think what's what's really unique about NHRA outside of any other race, and we're going to a series and we're going to talk NASCAR here in a minute. But I just think it's one of those if you really want to get into it, you can. Like yeah. you just you just have to get your racing card right in that, and then you start the pro- the process. But money, you got to have some money. Yep, you got to have a little bit of money. But anybody can do it. That's what's so cool about drag racing is that even on Wednesday nights, like you go to your local you know drag strip and Wednesday night drag, bring what you got. I mean, your pickup truck, your station wagon, whatever you want. Just go out to the yeah. racetrack on Wednesday nights and make a run, and it's so much fun. Like it's just in and it's. Cool. I always thought John Forrest was crazy, but. And he, he probably is a bit crazy, but when he's you see bit. him win, he's got so yeah. much adrenaline, like you were saying a oh, minute yeah. ago, so much adrenaline running yeah. through his veins that he's like, woo! Ah, nah, oh, yeah, like, he's on fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. he's, he's, he's on gone. Fire. Yeah, and, and it's true, though, but that's – and that's what that that's what the car gives you, too. Like, I mean, when you're when you get out of the car at making a 330-plus run, you know, with 11,000 horsepower behind you, like, you're in – you're intense. Like, you are – like your heart rate is elevated. You're, I mean, it's just like, man, I just got out of this car that just went that fast. And I'm like, holy, I'm just like, man, this is awesome. You know? And it's just like, you're elevated so much. And so, yeah, you're going to be like that, but he's, he's a little extreme, but yeah. But, but and he's like that all the time though. That's, that's, what's great about Johnny is that like, um, you know, I could talk to him, you know, any day and, and, and you just don't know what you're going to get sometimes. And he does kind of go all around the place. <laughs> so yeah, you do he does. Him, but, 
but he's awesome. NHRA is approachable because you can walk through the pits, force early in the mornings on his little scooter riding around. And Absolutely. You know, got his and, and you can he'll sign autographs, and I and I think that's what makes the sport so unique. You transitioned Brandon out of racing and and went a couple directions, but now you're at Lucas yeah. Oil, which. Uh, I work closely with Lucas Oil. You're obviously responsible for a lot when it comes to their motorsports partnerships and, and all of what they do there. And you're tied in, obviously, because of Morgan Lucas, right? Like you guys race right. together. Fast forward now to, to 2024. Actually, I'll back up to 2023. So I get a phone call and I hear and Jamie Little's a good friend of mine, uh, NASCAR Fox Sports pit reporter. Hey. Did you hear that Lucas Oil is partnered up with Kyle Busch for the second race of the season in Fontana? Yeah. And I'm like, man, it you see Lucas's name everywhere it, it races, but then all of a sudden, boom, you're like, they're going to go out to Fontana. Well, this is going to be interesting. Let's just see Kyle Busch, one of the most winningest drivers. Right. Dude, what did that – I mean, you were there – and what did that mean? It was amazing because, like, leading up to that, you know, we've always had a technical relationship with RCR and ECR, the engine builder that they they own and everything. So we've always supplied them with oil, and it's always been just, you know, just a technical partnership. And, and way back in the day, they did, you know, one-off races here and there, but it was never really, you know, anything big, and they didn't do anything. And so when they came to us and said, Hey, we've got an opportunity to, you know, for this race and everything, I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. You know? And so I pitched it pretty hard to Morgan and Katie and said, Hey, this could be really, really good. And it's not a, it could also be my job. And it could, and it it could, could also be, really be my bad. job no, for yeah. the money that yeah. we put into this. If he, exactly. if he didn't even qualify no, or he I had know, some issue on the first lap. And the thing was, and the thing was, it's like, it's, it's his first year at RCR. And so who knows when he's going to get a win, you know, whatever. And, and, and yeah, and it could be really bad. I mean, this could be like two laps in and he crashes and we're done, you know, kind of thing. But I knew, honestly, I knew that if we did it the right way, we did the design the right way. And, you know, we worked with their designer and did the blue and everything and the white letters so that it would pop off the TV and really get good exposure. I said, this could be really, really great. And I knew his history at that racetrack. And I said, there's a really good chance that he could do well here, you know? So it was, it was really strategic in what, you know, we really wanted out of it and how I positioned it to, you know, our higher ups and everything. And so in doing it and being there and man, when I'm standing there and we're, I'm watching and, and, you know, as the race progressed and everything, I'm like, man, we're, we're up there and we're like, and he's kicking butt, man. He is just, and every, and, and it's like you said about drag racing. Things slow down, right? And every rate, every lap, it's like slowing further and further down. You're like, is he going to make it? Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, it was just that kind of a day. And I was like, holy crap, we're going to, we may win this thing. <laughs> and see, I mean, it just, and, and just the, the, I mean, I'm getting text messages, you know, as we're, as we're getting later in the, in the race and like, man, this car looks awesome on TV. You guys did a great job on what it looks like. And we're getting so much exposure on TV. And I'm like, yeah, but we're, we're still in it, man. We just, we got a little, a few more laps to go. And I mean, it was just a great day. I mean, it was just amazing. And, and he did an awesome job. The team did an awesome job. And, um, you know, we really worked hard as a marketing team too, to, to make sure that it was the right fit and, and it looked great on TV. So it was cool. You know, what I think, you know, my dad has always said to me from the time I was a kid, he's always said, success breeds success. Yep. And so you guys have announced that you're going to be partnering again with RCR moving into the 2024 season. Yep. And you've got a, a little hitch to that 
partnership with Brexton. Yeah. Um, tell us about what's in store for Lucas, and then we're going to talk a little bit of sports because you had a massive weekend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the partnership. Yeah. So this year in 2024, we're going to do we're going to do three races with the uh, number eight car with Kyle um, and RCR. So um, and and that's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll do three of those races, but then we're also doing with Kyle and Brexton, um, his son, we're doing their dirt series. So Kyle will be fully branded. Um, and most, and some of you may have seen or not, um, he was at the Tulsa shootout and racing, uh, the, the, the Lucas car there. So we'll do all of his sprint car and midget, um, racing, dirt racing. It's fully branded Lucas oil, but then Brexton, he's going to have an associate deal with Brexton. We're going to have associate deal with Brexton. So it won't be fully branded. He'll still have his green car and everything, but we'll have uh, Lucas on, on that car too. But we're really excited about the bushes because, um, you know, it, it's just a family, you know, dynamic that we really love the father, son, and man, that kid Brexton, he, he's a, he's a killer dude. He's so cool. He just, it's I awesome. Mean, he, he's just a really good kid. And, and we like to uh, see that next generation of bushes coming through. It is cool. And, and it's, it's fun to see you also stay involved. I, you know, I played football. I did my shoulder twice on my left side and, and I did my right side once. I didn't make it to the pinnacle of a professional yeah. as you did in racing. I, you know, I made it up through college and for the first 10 years, I was like, man, I just 15 years, I can't even watch a game. I just don't, yeah. I, I just, I, it's not that I lost the love. It's just, I was so ashamed of the fact that I couldn't progress to that next level. And you're giving back, right? You're Lucas, you've taken what you've learned yeah. and you're now Dude, you're a winner because you showed what you could do on the track, and now you're doing it with Kyle Busch. Well, it's fun. I enjoy it. That's that part's awesome. It is. Yeah. Speaking of winning, dude, all right, so Indianapolis, you and I were together a few weeks ago. We yep. walked, talked about Minchu. You know, we had one more game if the Titans could pull off. I, I wore this hat today because we obviously played spoiler this last week to yep. the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. They're like the Raiders to me, and yeah, right. the Jaguars. Like, yeah. And so, you know, we, we, we ended up with, you know, winning a game that we were not supposed to win. Yep. We ended up, you know, beating the dolphins, which we were not supposed to do. And then, you know, I came into Indy and was hanging out with you and I was like, Oh, Indy, <laughs> they're going to beat a team. And then before we got on the podcast, you were like, Dude, they, I told you they are going to lose. <laughs> They're going to choke. And they do. They cho- Here's the deal with the Colts. We're going we're gonna to talk about them. Don't let anybody know yet. Okay. Don't let them know right, yet. I Just won't. talk about the Colts. Okay, so the Colts are like, they, they show up when they don't need to show up and then they don't show up when they need to show up. It's, I, and, yeah. and, and it's a sad thing, but it, it's true. Like they just, I don't know. It's just, it, it's hard to be a Colts fan sometimes because they just, they just never they, they never can get to that next level, I think, you know, and, and I don't know what it is. Honestly, I don't. I don't know if it's because they have good players and they have. I mean, ever since Peyton left, it's like that's it. I mean, it's just never been there. So I there is it. There's a quality of quarterback that, that yeah. take you to the next level. And, and of right. course, you know, you're yeah. you're based in Indy. It's Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're always going to. We're always going to have a soft spot. You were born and raised in Dallas. Sure. I mean, dude, yeah. 38 to 10, not only over – look, I, I don't care. People can can write in and be like, you insensitive yeah. prick. The Washington Redskins, um, yep. you know, they lost are. 38 to 10, the commanders, 38 to 10. And, and today's Monday. Their, their coach was fired this week, right? And so he's gone. Right. The Cowboys, you know, I've never been a Dak fan. And I'm, I'm, I'm like slowly mm-hmm. like – I could I could warm yep. up to Dak Prescott, man. That yeah, dude, you can. That dude, and then and then 
he can C- sling the ball, man. CD and Lamb, and, he, and, he, and now I think, dude, and Lamb is just a stud. I mean, that guy. I mean, he catches anything. You get the ball anywhere close to him, and he'll go up and catch anything. Like yeah. he will. I mean, it's just amazing. He's he's a stud. But no, I mean, Dak. In in I hear. I mean, everybody talks about him, and everybody talks about how he's not. You know, but honestly, this year I think he's shown a real maturity in his like way he progresses through, you know, his passing and everything. So, and and he can still throw the ball, man. He can throw the ball well. So, you know, hopefully, you know, I mean, it's, you know, Green Bay is going to be a tough one because they're running pretty, pretty strong right now. They're, 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 you know, running hot, but I still think that, uh, that we've got, we've got some, some good, good times to come. I think we can, I think we can go pretty deep in this playoff. We're running a bit out of time, but I wanted to kind of close with this. I, I, I read yeah. yesterday that it was a few games into the season that CeeDee Lamb, he went to Mike McCarthy and he said, hey, look, yeah, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not trying to be a look at me. I'm not trying to be one yep. of those wide receivers, coach. But if you, Dak, and I can get on the same page, I'll make plays for you. I promise I'll make plays. And he wasn't arrogant about it, right? And if you've heard the guy's interviews, he's a good dude. And right when I was was reading that, I was watching the game. Dude catches a you know a, an end zone shot, and I'm like, man, yeah, that's right. Just I know it's it, it's solid. I mean, and that's the kind of that's the kind of leadership that you really want it, it, with your team. I mean, obviously, you know, to have a guy like that on your team and that says, "Hey, give me the ball." Yeah, lot, you know, I'll take us to that yeah. next level. You know, and and not being like you said, not being arrogant, not being cocky. Just I'm a performer, awesome. and let me perform. Let me go out there and, and do it. Let me go out there and get us wins. So yeah, it's uh it's going to be cool to see in the playoffs. I think they can make a run. You know what? There's nobody else that brings more energy than, than you do, Brandon. So we'll definitely be having you back on, brother. Thanks for joining the Mike Caudill podcast today. Awesome. Thanks, brother. We'll see you. All right, man. Thanks. All right, Harrison. What's the fastest you've ever been in a car? Oh, fastest I've ever been in a car. Again, another story from uh, from Fontana. Went down the drag strip in the Boston. 320 miles an hour is what Brandon went. What's the number? Wow. No, yeah, no, 140. <laughs> so I'll you, just, you, just said, you just said, yeah, no, yeah, no, 140. And, and in that, I mean, it's just amazing, right? 320 miles an hour from Brandon Bernstein. Um, we're getting near the end of the show. Uh, we always love to talk about our favorite foods. I'll be in Vegas for the consumer electronics show and if there's one place i always love to go it's gordon ramsay's original hell's kitchen right outside of caesar's Uh, i don't know if you've ever been there before but i will tell you right now their tomahawk steak you probably share it with like four or five people brings that cost down because it would be a group but i highly recommend that what is your eat of the week go Ooh, not going to be as exciting as yours. Uh, I would actually mess around with a little bit of White Castle. Not going to lie, I'd be down for some. Mm. <laughs> we were just talking. We were just having a conversation about White Castle, mm-hmm. and the fact that at two in the morning you get a, a ten pack of chicken and cheese, and they're so freaking good. They're not in so California. so good. They have to go to Vegas. I know. West of the you know, west of the Vegas. I live in Nashville. I mean, that's the best part. That's the best part. Before we close it out, we got our car of the week. I wanted to share this really fast. This week, we have been test driving the 2024 Toyota Sequoia TRD Pro Platinum Edition. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, if there was an SUV that I was going to park in my driveway that had all the capabilities of off-road prowess, prowess, prowess Harrison, prowess. prowess. Uh, if there was a if there was a SUV that 
I wanted to own that I knew I could beat around hard off road, but had luxury on the inside, it would be the new Sequoia TRD Pro. Uh, let me start with this. 437 horsepower, 538 pounds-feet of torque. It's got a 3.5-liter twin-turbocharged engine, but it's partnered up with a hybrid powertrain. You get 24 miles per gallon, but it is a hybrid powertrain. It is a heavy SUV. I will tell you right now, it is one of the most fun SUVs I've driven in the past year. The only other one that I would say I had the same amount of fun in was the Cadillac Escalade Type V. I kid you not, the exhaust of this TRD Pro Sequoia is amazing. It sounds like a V8, and it's a twin twin turbocharged V6. Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, all of Toyota's Safety Sense technology comes standard on it. This thing is just beautiful on the inside. It's beautiful on the outside. In fact, my kids, they hate going in a lot of the test drive vehicles that I have because there's not a lot of room in that second row seat. I mean, you can recline the seats back, dude, and just chill out in there. Have you seen it? Have you had it been up close and personal with it yet? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's huge too. And, and you know, it's doing that boxy trend, you know, that boxy SUV trend. Uh, but the, the thing I liked about it most, what was the name of that color? That color was phenomenal. Uh, lunar gray. Wow. Lunar gray it metallic. So yep. good on the Sequoia. Yeah, so good. Lunar, lunar gray metallic. Uh, price on that is a little, little hefty. I think they start in that $60,000 range. The one I had, I yeah. think it was close to 80. Yeah, it was fully cheap. loaded. It was beautiful and it was awesome. All right, so we covered off on our car of the week. Harrison, do you have a joke of the week for us? Next show, we'll talk about Harrison and Elkhart with his gangster rap. I've got, awesome. I've got a good joke. It's a good dad joke. Uh, Mike, tell me the difference between a hippo and a zippo lighter. It's got to be about something lighting up. Well, one's a hippo and the other one's a little lighter. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Harrison Noble. All right, before we close out the show, guys, we mentioned at the very beginning we'll be doing a giveaway. You guys ready for this? We've got three motorcycle helmets. We've got two Schubert helmets, and we've got one showy helmet. This is your option on the Schubert motorcycle slash automotive helmet. I have a medium, and I have a large. In the showy, and it's just going to depend on your size, in the showy, this is a full modular helmet. This is the real deal, man. This whole face opens up on this thing. It's got a little clip on it. You can open the front of this thing. This one is, this is a big boy helmet. So you got to be a big boy to get this XL. So here's the deal. Between now and the Super Bowl, there are two things that have to happen. And you can have one. We will send you one of these helmets. First, let me tell you what the challenge is. You have to guess the winning and losing score. And I'm going to give you this. When the two teams are announced for the Super Bowl, you have to identify which team is going to score which number and which team is going to score the other number. The person that picks the right team with the closest number is going to get that helmet. And you'll be able to choose based on your head size. Uh, the white ones are great. I've actually taken a white helmet before. and I've had it professionally painted. But both of these are you know, well over a couple hundred dollars per helmet. So that's the numbers game. So one more time, just to reiterate, you have to pick the score of the winning and losing team at the Super Bowl. And then once it is announced who the two teams are from the NFC and the AFC that are going to go to the Super Bowl, you have to pair them with that number. How do you get to be part of this whole giveaway? You have to go to my Instagram and TikTok page. You have to subscribe and then just leave a comment on what you think the score is. So you would go to It's Mike Caudill on Instagram or Facebook. We're going to count on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Instagram is where we spend a lot of time. And we'll put a video up on Instagram as well. All you got to do is go to that page, 
hit the subscribe button, and then drop in the comments there, and you will be ready to rock and roll. All right, Harrison, that's it for episode one, season one. Great being on with you, brother. I know this is the beginning of something truly fun and special. Next show, we will probably dive in a little bit more to some automotive news. We didn't spend as much time today on automotive news because we had to talk about me. It's always about me. Uh, but next show, that's where we're going to go. We're going to take uh, take all this awesome stuff that we have. And uh, next show, it'll be all about the automotive news, man. What do you got? Any closing words? Yeah, no, we're excited to bring you guys some awesome news. I mean, there's so much happening in the auto industry right now. It's just hard to keep up with it. But uh, we're going to go ahead and vet some stuff for you, bring you the most hard-hitting stuff, the most impactful stuff, and some of the most exciting stuff. Awesome. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining and taking a minute to listen to our, or a long minute, to listen to our podcast.